Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I actually had an argument with Greg during this portion of the show about whether (laughs) it's too private to kiss your girlfriend's shoulder in public. Because I feel like Dylan was doing that so much this episode. Oh, I don't also mind during it. the reunion show. I'm like, that's intimate. To me, that's like a bedroom thing. Like, I don't need to see you like mouthing your partner's body, you know? Like keep well. it to the keep it to the face area. <laughs> I'm very I'm very prudish. How do you feel about the neck? No, that's not for public. <laughs> that's like that's a pre-sex kiss. Oh my god. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Emma, welcome back. Thank you, Claire. I flew all the way back from L.A. just for this. Emma changed her flight so that we would be less late on this recap, which I know is cold comfort, but like we're here <laughs> and we're prepared and we have coffee. We have coffee and we have three hours of Bachelor in Paradise wrap up to talk about. So we're feeling great. Yeah, feeling really, really fresh. But before we get started, uh, we're going to be in Chicago next week for another live show. We're so excited. Unfortunately, we did sell out, but all of our live shows will be released as podcast episodes. Uh, The Philly show will be released next week, and then we'll kind of go from there. And remember to stay tuned for more upcoming live event dates. We're hoping to squeeze some more in before the holidays. And before my due date. <laughs> More importantly, More before importantly. you have a child. Exactly. Um, but this, so this is going to be probably my last, like, pre-maternity leave recap. Oh, my God. This is a contemporary season. This is really upsetting. Everything's going to change when I come back. I'm going to be, like, as a mother of a child. <laughs> um, as the mother of a son, I feel differently about this now. All right. Let's dive in. I thought that that this show would be two hours long. So did I. At 9.58, I realized that it was three hours long. Yeah. And I did not have any access to wine. So it was a really rough moment. Claire, I so I actually didn't realize that it was three hours until we were, like, into the third hour. And I was like, oh, did we just not skip the commercials? Because I was at a watch party. We started a little late. And I was like, it's 10.25. How does it feel like there's so much left? And then... 
I realized, no, it's three It's three hours. It was when it was 9.58 and they hadn't even <laughs> begun to introduce the new Bachelor that I started to have an inkling. <laughs> But um, but we did get there in the end. So we do open in the studio with Chris um, for a live finale. But the action is still wrapping up in Mexico. We have to go immediately back Fantasy to the beach. Fantasy suites, baby. They're still happening. Exactly. And they wrap it up pretty quickly. But I would argue not quickly enough because <laughs> it's still three hours long. Felt like a lot of filler. Like I felt like the episode did not need to be three hours long. And then I tried to envision where they would cut it, and it was mostly like... The gender reveal, because that's (sighs) where they could have cut it. That was a big part of it. We'll get there. You could only cut around two minutes for the gender (laughs) reveal. Um, It would have been an impactful two minutes. I would have liked to see less of the fantasy dates, to be honest, (laughs) even though we hardly saw any of them. Um, So we do see each of the couples sort of from beginning... To end. It's all kind of cut together. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Hannah and Dylan are just, there. nothing really notable happens. They sort of try to build up tension as though they might not get engaged, but it's pretty clear they will. Um, and the real tension, I guess, is between Katie and Chris and Nicole and uh, Clay. Yeah, it's clear that those two relationships are the ones that are kind of on the rocks a little bit. So we see uh, Dylan and Hannah just basically be like, oh, my God, I love you so much. Oh, no, I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. But family. It's very uncomfortable to watch two other people have a conversation that's really just 100 percent consisting of, like, kissing each other's shoulder and saying I love you. Um, I actually had an argument with Greg during this portion of the show about whether it's too (laughs) private to kiss your girlfriend's shoulder in public. Because I feel like Dylan was doing that so much this episode. Oh, I don't also mind during it. the reunion show. I'm like, that's intimate. To me, that's like a bedroom thing. Like, I don't need to see you like mouthing your partner's body, you know? Like keep well, it to the keep it to the face area. <laughs> I'm very I'm very prudish. How do you feel about the neck? No, that's not for public. <laughs> that's like that's a pre-sex kiss. Oh my god! I didn't realize there was such clear delineation. How often do you actually see your friends like <laughs> kissing each other's necks in public? I mean, not that. Uh, I just don't think it's. I don't draw any like hard and fast lines. I'm just like keep it, keep it in, in your pants, you know. Um, <laughs> keep it above the chin. <laughs> keep it above the chin. Um, so. They have a, a really positive conversation. Hannah, it's clear, has a few more hesitations than Dylan, um, just about the speed maybe of the commitment. He's like, I need to get engaged to her yesterday. Um, Christian and Demi are in a really good place again. Um, but Demi is like, I finally feel like I'm really undeniably myself. And she was feeling pressure from people putting her in this role of, like, the unapologetic Demi, uh, who is just herself without any apologies. Demi's transformation has been truly wonderful to watch. And I love hearing people break the fourth wall a little bit and talk about the pressure that their persona on the show puts on them. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, especially someone like Demi, who it seems like has often played into it and enjoyed that persona. So it's really extra fascinating to see that it's not all, like— positive for her that it's not all just like the enjoyment of being on screen it makes me like her more it makes me feel mm-hmm. much more empathetic towards her and I, and I mean that's I guess just the way that human connection works when someone expresses vulnerability like shows you that soft part of themselves 
you understand them better and so you can have more more empathy for them. Yeah, it's yeah. really beautiful. But Nicole and Clay are having this conversation that's completely lopsided. She's like, you've changed my life. Every Basically one person, at least, in every couple they is like, you've changed say my that. life. Since the moment you walked onto the beach, my life has been changed. Like, I'm... It's lost all meaning. Right. Well, because with Christian and Demi both said both said this, but they could really articulate why that was, like in what way their life had been changed and right, how no, that the other person makes contributed. Sense. Right. But Nicole tells Clay, like, you've changed my life in just a month. And I'm like, but how, though? You haven't really made the case for that. <laughs> you just think it sounds good. Um, and Clay's like, yeah, totally. But we still have some things to figure out. Um I am falling in love with you. I could never say that with Angela, but I do have reservations, and I have to tell you that. This whole thing was so bizarre to me. I kept being like, whose side am I on here? Are they both just very confused and maybe bad? I. It was very, it was very weird to watch. On the one hand, I understood Clay's desire to be honest, and also I found his, you know, reticence to get to move in and get engaged to be understandable. On the other hand, Nicole was also right that he like had never given indication that he had reservations and all of a sudden he's like actually don't want to spend the night with you. Um I disagree. I, I think he'd given a lot of indications that he had reservations. Like this is by far not the first conversation we've seen them have in which he's like I don't like to move quickly. I'm not yes. ready to move in together. No, no, that for sure. But it but sounded she, like extra reservations. She reacts, she reacts to that as if he's never said that before. Like it's very weird to see her to see her make a speech about how he's blindsiding her with these reservations and this desire to move slowly and like, oh, suddenly you're saying you don't want to move in together. And I'm like, Nicole, we watched him say that to you last week. Oh, no, that makes sense. I was very much with him. The one thing I didn't understand was why he didn't just say, let's spend the night, take the night together and talk things through. Like, they actually have off-camera time together. I, I assume production got in his head and was like, if you choose to... Go to the fantasy suite. That's some sort that You've signals some sort of commitment as a for life, unless you marry um, her. But it just seems like a missed opportunity to have kind of an honest conversation about those reservations in a way that they weren't both mm. kind of playing a game of chess of like how is this going to come off? Which right. which you are at that point. Like it's no one's fault. It's just they know they're being filmed. I mean, what I think happened ultimately is that Nicole thought that Clay was the safe, reliable choice, and that she committed to that safe, reliable choice over someone like Christian, although she didn't really have the option in the end, who was maybe more her speed in terms of being exciting and like and and more of a commanding sort of masculine figure in the way that she's accustomed to. And she's like, I picked this guy who's just going to be loyal to me and dedicated and almost wrote a narrative about that in her head. And I think a lot of other people on the beach played into that and, like, co-signed that belief. Yeah, and it turns out that that's not who Clay is, really. Like, he's very nice, sure, and he's not the hyper-masculine, like, you know, controlling-type figure, but he also isn't the commitment guy either. Right. And and I think Nicole spent a lot of this season kind of pushing Angela away and and saying kind of, unfair things about her uh, and ultimately she ended up <laughs> feeling like she related to her. Yeah. I mean, she's now in the same position Angela was in. She thought she was special and like sometimes that's just how a guy is. I, I really felt like both of them had sort of 
acted wrongly. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, agree, I agree. Um, I do think Nicole is still telling herself a story during this conversation. Like, he's like, I feel so bad. My life is up in the air. And what if I asked you to uproot your life and move to Chicago? Um, and I, I couldn't give you everything you wanted. And she's like, well, if I left Miami, that would be my choice. You wouldn't have to feel guilty. And I was like, I don't believe for a second that you would not be upset with him if you uprooted your life and moved to Chicago and then he couldn't give you everything you wanted. Like, it would be rational and understandable for you to be upset upset, by that. But be honest about it. You would be upset. No, it's true. I I also don't I feel like that's the kind of thing that, like, I would have said when I was in my younger 20s and really wanted to make something work. Of course. It's the thing you say to get what you want. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to admit that you know, this would be a problem for me down the road because if it's a problem for me, then I'm not going to get what I want right now. So you're like, I'm and a you cool hope, girl. You hope something will change. Yeah, I'm right. Cool you're girl. like, I'm going to pretend that I wouldn't be bothered by this and then hope that it doesn't happen. So I don't yeah. have to worry about whether I'd actually be bothered by it. I, I relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not effective, but no, I relate. Same. Totally. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times when I'm very critical of the women's actions, and like analyzing their motives, it's because I'm like, that's what I would have done. Yeah. And for that reason. Um, so she sort of storms out and he's like, I need space to think about. Well, no, she's and... I kind of love this. She's like, you need space. Go. I'm going to stay oh, right. here. <laughs> There's like a weird cut where it looks like she's storming out. But then she's like still there and she's like, you go. And I was like, what happened? But yes, she stands funny. up and sends yeah. him out. Um, and then, of course, the fireworks go off and everyone is making out on the bed in the hot tub. And Nicole is just staring at the fireworks, clearly being like, yep, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not the fairy Alone. tale she expected. Um, so we cut to proposal day. Nicole is in a beautiful white dress. She looks She's gorgeous. feeling very apprehensive. Up until the very last night, Clay always made her feel so secure, which again is false. She was like a basket case for most of their relationship because he was like, maybe I'm into Angela again. I don't know. Whatever. She has a selective memory. But she's ready for a proposal as long as he's in love with her. I what in what world was he going like? Like he obviously he was... was not going to propose. No. And she should not accept a proposal from someone who the night before. Said, said, I can only say I'm starting to fall in love with you and I don't want to move in together for the foreseeable future or even live in the same city. <laughs> um, but she, I have to say, her whole performance really felt like a performance. Like, I think she yeah. pre-scripted all of this. And they all, you know, I'm sure prep their speeches. But, but this felt very, very performed. A very cinematic flair to the way she delivers her lines. The, they f- you mean a love so deep that the ocean would be jealous. Incredible. Like, <laughs> like it remi- iconic. It reminded me of that scene in, I'm revealing, like, what a dork I am for rom-coms right now, but in uh, Something Borrowed, where Jennifer Goodwin's character is trying to help Kate Hudson's character write her vows, and they're <laughs> arguing about, like, whether you would say a love that flows like the ocean Oh, my God. I forgot about that scene. Is this metaphor perfectly turned? And I was like, Nicole made sure that metaphor perfectly hung together (laughs) in advance. Um, So she gives her little speech. You know, from the moment I saw you, I knew you could change my life forever. I've loved you from the moment I first kissed you, which, like, girl, we were all there. And, like, 
you went after another guy. Another guy. So that's like, again, <laughs> writing the beautiful love story of her life. Um, but she's like, I love you so much. I just need you to answer this one question. Clay, do you love me? Not yet is the answer. I'm not there yet. Having those feelings is not easy for me, and it's scary. And he says, you know, I want to take things slow and leave together. And I know you want more and deserve more. And Nicole's waiting for that cue to say, I deserve a love that is so deep the ocean would be jealous. And then Clay says, let's take more time to explore. And she's like, I don't need it. When you know, you know. I can't continue with this knowing that you don't love me back. So she's like, goodbye. Storms off in high heels through the sand, which... So many of... I I was in awe of how graceful they all looked. They really should have laid down some sort of... I know. ...pathway. Like, like demis? You're like, oh, she's wearing flat... Oh, no, the heels are just fully in the sand. I could bear... I can barely walk in sand and bare feet. Exactly. I I truly don't understand how they weren't falling over. (laughs) These women are heroes. Um, So she cries in the, the SUV leaving... She says she never pictured them ending this way. In the blink of an eye, everything she was excited for has been taken away. Um, And the one thing she says that I really believe is that she now feels he had no intentions of being 100% serious with her. Yeah. I think that's true. I I Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, And we know now that she has since befriended Angela, and so they seem to have bonded over this this shared experience. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Clay just seems sort of shell-shocked and, like, not even really that upset, but just like, all right. But does Clay ever seem that upset? No. He's very (laughs) He's very even-keeled. He's like, next stop, the local pub. (laughs) And I was like, Clay's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah, I I felt for for Nicole because I do think it's true that that Clay never really was prepared at all to to have the kind of relationship she wanted, but I also was like if you guys had just been more honest with each other throughout yeah. this instead of hoping the other person was different from different. what they clearly were, <laughs> maybe this could have been avoided. Uh speaking of which, Chris and Katie um have a great morning in the fantasy suite. They're both like, we feel great about this now. We're in love. It's not scary. It's wonderful. Um, and on the beach, they they head down to their proposal. <laughs> Chris Cr- has graduated <laughs> into a verified grown-ass man. We haven't talked that much about no. Crispy's changing, ever-changing chirons. Oh, I loved them, though. Like, the... Just bless whoever started doing this. So good. Like every episode, his Chiron has has changed, and it's hilarious. I think my favorite is still the one where it doesn't all even fit on the Chiron, but this one yeah. was pretty good. Um, <laughs> this is Chris's like redemption moment on the Bachelor franchise. He's had a lot of rough goes of it, and now he's the guy who is making a commitment to a good woman everyone loves. And she she is a good woman. Everyone loves. I love the way these men talk about these the women they're <laughs> proposing to. It's always like I'm so lucky to have Katie. She has beautiful eyes. And yeah. I'm like, that's the first <laughs> thing that makes you feel lucky to have met and her. Also, a personality. Yeah, that's there also, which is great. <laughs> um, and he hasn't decided whether to propose. I know. I was like, maybe 
you shouldn't be making that decision on the fly. He's going to go with his gut in the moment, which is how great decisions about marriage are made. You also can see this because his speech extends for so long and you can see him gearing himself up being like, am I am I going to do it? I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, yeah. OK. Getting down. Getting down one knee. No going back now. Uh, Katie uh, looks also great. Beautiful. All of the outfits were really on. Point. She is the first of two women to wear sort of a billowy white dress with blue flowers on it, which is a lovely oh, yeah. Gigi look. Hannah as well. Um, and she speaks first, as most of the women do. It's the mo- more unsure party, I think, always speaks first. I thought it was because the man would speak second and propose with it. Because Dylan speaks first. He does. Yeah, it's the, the person who has like the less... Like the least but then power. how do you decide that? You know what I mean? Like, it seems more reasonable for production to be like, ladies, you're going to speak first. But maybe they just individually counsel I think counsel they individually them. counsel Oh, my them. God. Yeah. Uh, so she says, you know, this is tough. This has been unique and crazy and wild and ridiculous and sometimes stupid. But I've loved every minute of it. I can picture life with you. And I know that tomorrow I want to be with you. Very short speech compared to some of I the I thought others. it was good. Uh, to the point. Uh, Chris makes up for it. Um, <laughs> he says, you know, this has been so hard. There have been battles and uncertainty. The he's, highs are unexplainable. He was just using so many platitudes. platitudes. He's like, it's a roller coaster. There have been high <laughs> highs and low lows. And I'm the luckiest man in the world. And the highs have been high and we fought through it like <laughs> and he starts crying like halfway through which actually did get me i and <laughs> i found this proposal very emotional me it's too. very rare for me although it has sometimes happened to see a couple get very emotional during a proposal and not be affected by it like i tend to feel like that's genuine and so i have an empathetic I think, reaction and i think it was genuine uh exactly i think that he was feeling a lot of emotion unfortunately i think a lot of that emotion was probably still fueled by like doubt and fear but he tells her that you know she makes him feel calm and like himself and I he hasn't always sweet. known what that even felt like um he sees her in his tomorrow and his forever they're both crying at this point, and he finally kneels and takes out the ring box and says, Katie, will you marry me? And they're engaged. Uh, congrats to them. Um, next up is Dylan and Hannah. Uh, Dylan is like, I'm definitely proposing. Yeah. I'm so ready. I have no doubts. And he says, I think it would be a tough thing to swallow not getting engaged to her, which I was like, Dylan... He's up there, buddy. <laughs> I know. Um, but there was no actual tension here ever. No, I think that the tension, such as it is, is that Hannah doesn't actually want to get engaged on the beach. And she wants their families to, to be involved. First. Yeah. And but she is so um, easygoing and quiet and sort of passive in the way she handles these things that we can just sort of blow right past that without it becoming a big tension sticking point. Right. And instead, like she, it just is this thread of awkwardness. She kind of says it and then backpedals and says, but if my family, you know, were here, I know that they would love you. Yes. And she tells Chris right before she goes down onto the beach, I want to be engaged, but I'm struggling with my feelings and I would never want to regret rushing it. Like, that's a way to feel right before you get engaged that 
you know, to me indicates that she of the two of them does still have some reservations about the process. So Dylan gives his speech um, about being all in on her and how he can never love anyone as much as her. Several people during their proposal speeches or proposal day speeches say something along the lines of like, I never knew I could feel this way about someone until I met you. And I was like, huh. And then I was like, oh, right. These people are all like 24. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like the idea that like you never know love until you meet your spouse is like often it's like the second or third or fourth yeah. person <laughs> that makes you feel like real love for the first time. Um, yeah. But they're young. And he says, I didn't come here to spend the summer with you. I came to spend my life with you and I'm ready for that life to start now. And Hannah says that she's ready to make him her priority, but she's been burned in the past because her father gave his blessing. To Colton. Yes. Very recently yeah. this all happened. Um, she says, my last relationship crumbled but partly because of me. Is that a reference to Colton? or I don't. I think a, it couldn't previous be. Relationship? Yeah, it, did, it wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, it Colton. seems like a reference to stuff they've talked about that I don't think we know as much about. Um, and she tells him that she's really scared. And he says, well, I know how important family is to you. And it's one of the reasons I love you. So I will get on a plane with you tonight and go to Alabama to meet them. But I can't wait to start our life together. So do you trust me? And she's like, yeah. And he says 100 percent. And she says 1 million percent. And he proposes. And she does seem a little bit. Like, she is taken aback by this. Like, she thought that he was... Maybe not going to. Because they kept talking about how she was nervous about their families not having met, et cetera, et cetera. I but just, she goes with it. Yeah, she seems happy, ultimately. I think that she has uh, a lot of very positive feelings. Yeah. I think they're just more mixed than yes, his. Yes, I agree. Um, like, she, she doesn't respond at first. And finally, he's like, you have to answer. <laughs> and she says yes. And he goes, you're my fiancé. These guys are just constantly just so excited to be like, to I have, have a one. Fiance. I have one. I have a girlfriend. She's hot. She's a supermodel. I have a girlfriend. I have a fiance. Um, a lot of possessiveness in the language. Um, and that's their proposal. Next, uh, Demi and Christian. It seems like they have decided that because Demi was on the show first, that she is going to be put into sort of for lack of a better word, the man's role on the show. On the show, yes. That she is going to be the one walking down the beach. First. First, with a ring, whereas Christian meets Chris Harrison at wearing the top white. of the stairs wearing white. Uh, yeah, Demi's in this red slip dress. Oh, she looks Christian amazing. Christian is in a gorgeous white jumpsuit. jumpsuit. Both of them just Looking very hot. Um, and Christian, to my surprise, is sort of like, if I don't get engaged to Demi, it would be very hard. It also, some of the stuff was Frankenbit together, so I couldn't mm. exactly tell, tell what, it, what, she said. what exactly she was saying. It's um, probably a little different from what she yeah. actually said. But uh, they both uh, have clearly decided that that is where they're ready to take this next. And they head down to meet at the beach, and she tells Demi how much she changed her life. 
She said earlier, you know, she never thought she would find a life partner. She didn't see that for herself. And Demi. It's really sweet. Gave her a whole like image of what a life partner could even be. This also carries more weight. It feels more earned because they did have a relationship outside of paradise. Yeah. And like because there is they history went there. They went through some separation. That, right. And yeah. came back to each other. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad they ended on this proposal. Me too. I think that was a very deliberate choice. Absolutely. And I'm I'm glad they did. Uh, and so yeah, Demi talks about how much Christian has been there for her, even when she didn't deserve it. Um, and she came to Paradise to find herself, but she found herself and Christian. And she fetches the ring box from the rose pedestal. Yeah, the people I was watching with, we were all like, where where would she hide the ring? Because did you notice that? That is actually why men propose. It's because they have pockets. Yeah. Did you, like, did you notice that you could see the ring box sticking out of, like, Chris's back pocket? No. Oh, my gosh. They were all wearing such tight pants and their jackets didn't cover. I was like, guys, I see that twice. Twice they saw the ring box. Men should get into purses. Yeah. Um, and so should I mean Demi didn't have a purse either. Um, so she kneels and proposes, and I love that says Christian yes. got kneeled down there with her. I know. Well, the I think that it is very interesting to see the different ways that the dynamic plays out. That like Dem- that Christian kneels down to be on Demi's level right away, which you very rarely see when a man is proposing to a woman. And then the way that Demi shouts, like, we're engaged, I feel like. Not like, I have a fiancé. Right. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, and not not that you never see the straight couple say, like, we're engaged. No, no, no. But, like, there's a lot more of, like, that's my fiancé, which, like, <laughs> I think speaks to the way that straight couples are really socialized to think of, like, having a legal partner as something to, like, check off a box or, like, obtain. Anyway, uh Christian is like, you have to get a ring, too. And Demi's like, we're working on it. And then all the couples hug, who are still there, obviously. Nicole and Clay are not involved. We're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we break down more from the finale of Bachelor in Paradise. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about 
is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well balanced. I feel full after and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 and use code LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI 50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather 
front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Before we get back to the show, do you need more here to make friends? Check out our video series at youtube.com slash HuffPost. It's a little different from the podcast. Every week we highlight standout moments from each episode and award superlatives. Again, you can find us at youtube.com slash HuffPost or at HuffPost.com. And we will be in Chicago next week for another live show. Unfortunately, that show is sold out, but we will be taping and releasing all of these shows as podcasts. So... Stay tuned through the fall for bonus episodes. And, of course, keep an eye out for even more live shows. We're hoping to squeeze in a few more before the holidays. And now, back to the show. And now it's time for the reunion show. <sighs> so, who's, Two more hours. who do we have in the chairs? Annalise, Angela, Anyeka, Jordan, Cam, Connor, uh, Sydney... Haley, Dean, Christian, Tajwan, Blake, John Paul Jones, Kaylin, Tasha, Dylan, Demi, Hannah, Derek, Christina, and Mike. It's interesting that Christian, Christian and Demi and Hannah and Dylan were allowed to be in the general cast for this part, whereas uh, Nicole and Clay and Katie and Chris were obviously being kept separate. Yeah, I... I wonder if it's because they were like, well, Dylan and Han- like those couples are stable. Was I didn't see Christian uh, Demi's Christian. 
Oh, you're right. Christian wasn't there. It's because there are two Christians. And I find it very annoying that they don't give them last initials because their chirons are different. Because when we talk about them, it sounds the same. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. Um, no, they made some selective choices yeah, about what couples. But Demi, Dylan, and Hannah were allowed to be there. Yes. I guess because they were involved in I think that's other drama. Why. Yeah. yeah. And that's true. I think that, uh, that also um, uh, Nicole and Clay ended up being in the hot seat and it was cut. Like, we don't yeah. see them at all, but they're not in these shots. So clearly they weren't part of the panel. Right, right, right. Um, and neither were Katie and Chris. Yeah. But we do see them later. So we start by running through just a lot of the minor drama. Um, they go right in with uh, Derek and JPJ. Yeah. I thought that this uh, was not a great appearance for JPJ. Uh, the main takeaway for me, aside from the really annoying attempt to have the same argument over what exactly Derek said to John Paul Jones, in which no new ground was broken. <laughs> um, but the the thing that did happen is that Derek said, you know, you should apologize to Chris and Crystal. And John Paul he Jones cannot says, even muster that. I think what happened was unfortunate. He, right. He did end up apologizing to them on in an Instagram caption. But like, why not do it right then? Right. Like, that was very it's, odd. It seems like probably it, that Instagram caption happened because he, he made do, this choice. Oh, absolutely. And several of his maybe cast allies but had like, to dude, sit him you down. got to apologize to them. I, w- I was thinking of the way that even on the show, Chris uh, Bukowski tried to, like, mentor him out of making these yeah. bad decisions. And I was like, some people sat down JPJ after this and said, you need to apologize. Um, there's also, I think, to me, the only uh, Jordan moment that I really enjoyed happened. I thought this, this was actually great because Cam jumps in is like, well, Derek, have you ever hooked up with a woman who's been in your DMs? And you can tell Derek kind of Cam gearing up to so answer this. Cam would so love to hook up with a girl. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cam wishes. And he probably has. Yeah. Um, and and Jordan kind of jumps in and is like, dude, that's like that's crossing the line. You don't have to answer what that. What I love is how he acts like a lawyer. He's like, sorry, yeah. you don't have to answer that, Derek. <laughs> don't answer that. My client will not be speaking to that topic. It's not relevant to the case at hand. Which like, he's right. It's, it's true. <laughs> um, but he points out, he makes a really good point, which is that Instagram is often used like a dating app among people who are not members of the Bachelor cast. Like, this is just a way people connect, a way people ask each other out. Like, this is it's not uncommon. Yeah. Like, I think that it there is also a difference between, like, scrolling through your DM inbox and, like, hooking up with every woman who right. thinks that maybe you guys would be a great match and then, like, never calling her again. Yeah, it's uh, like, how are you treating people that you hook up with? That right. is more relevant than, like, whether it's happened. I think it's really, I mean, I have never really dated in the Instagram age, and I think I would suck at it. But I think that it would be weird for someone like Derek, who is so much on Instagram and who has so many peers on Instagram, like, so many, a lot of, like, these people on the show met by DMing on right. Instagram okay. and hooked Gigi up. Hadid and Tyler are like met because of Instagram. Right. Like, like just because you met through a DM slide doesn't mean there's anything inherently exploitative or gross right. about that. So I think that Jordan was on the money there, but I just loved his, his demeanor. And then he's like, by the way, great suit. Or he says, do I think you're some misogynistic, I assume like piece of shit or something? And they bleeped out. And he's like, no, great suit, by the way. He's very supportive. Um, And 
Uh, and then they sort of just move move on. Yeah, oh, well, they talk about Haley a bit. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, a lot of this is just rehashing. Like, I yeah. don't think we heard anything really new from no. Haley or Tajwan. Or Tajwan. Uh, Jordan and Christian uh, are supposed to sort of talk about their physical brawl that they had. Uh, I do think it's interesting that they were like, we can't have physical fighting on the show. You have to go home, but you will be at the reunion together <laughs> to challenge each other to a physical fight, uh, which is basically what happens. Yeah, they both get incredibly aggro again. I was like, my man, both of you. Just oh, stop. Just stop. Yeah. I mean, they were they were slinging insults. Uh, Ugh, Jordan was... tries to say that he was very mature uh, about it. I think what he w- meant was like after the incident happened, they were both right. pretty mature about being sent home. I well, think that's what he meant. they both were. They both were. But he says, I was pretty I mature <laughs> afterwards. And I was like, if we're going to keep an accounting of this, you were the one who was immature first. Right. So you were just like... <laughs> And Christina just starts laughing, and Mike is like, oh, God. Yeah, because Jordan is trying to take the line of this was self-defense. Was I not, acted in self-defense. Neither of them were defending themselves. Uh, it was <laughs> it was really like what, like trying to litigate a, a fight between two five-year-olds. Yeah. I was like, no one is really coming off well or being accountable. Um, and they're throwing barbs at each other. Christian's like, there's a difference between a gentleman like Clay and a boy. And Jordan is like, I wish you'd say it with your chest, you know, because like basically a teddy bear put up a, a more of a fight than than Christian. Like he throws these barbs basically, but he isn't going to get into a fight like a man sort of seemed like his implication. Um, and Christian is like, you got lucky. Like I could have come after you. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like you had a physical fight. Christian got hurt. Jordan and Christian both came off not looking great. It's over. It's like, done. Let's not do let's it move again. Move on. Um, Christian stands and demands an apology, and everyone's like, "Just stop! Like, sit down!" Like, I like that Demi. Demi kind of broke the tension. Well, she's like, "Act civilized. This is a TV show." <laughs> Seriously, everyone laughs, and they kind of just move on. Um, and Tasha and Hannah. Uh, rehash some of their drama. Uh, they've both now seen the the mean things they were saying about each other. I did again. I don't think either Behind. of them came off particularly well. Same. <laughs> like I wasn't really on one side yeah, over the other. Absolutely. Uh, we have a little side chat. Uh, Jordan mentioning that all this drama came up from people basically sliding into each other's DMs on Instagram before the show and hooking up. And everyone shouldn't, shouldn't do that. He says it, it was better before but also, the pre-conversation. It definitely, this was not the first year it happened. No, I think that it was more fully worked into the fabric of the show yes. than it has been in the past. I agree. Um, I loved that Cam then weighs in for the last Ugh. time because he's so immediately humiliated. <laughs> he says, well, I wanted Paradise to be like a big blind date and like... Everyone was already talking, and it compromises the integrity of oh the experience. Oh, my God. I love Anyeka so much for this. And Anyeka says, Cam, you wanted to go to my birthday dinner the week before and meet all the girls. It just didn't happen. <laughs> Don't pretend you're higher than that. If Kaylin wanted to meet up before, you would have done that in a second. And Cam is like, yeah. He's so defeated. <laughs> like, he can't deny it. Like, the real issue that Cam has with all of this, that he as has always, no capital with them. Exactly. <laughs> is that, like, he feels left out. And, I'm like, it's, it's a bad feeling, but he needs to accept that they're— 
really, I don't think, is any structural change that could be made to the show to make him more desirable to these women. <laughs> like, sometimes that's it's just not the problem with the rules. If I went on the show, none of the guys would want to date me. It's not because they'd been DMing with the other girls beforehand. It's because <laughs> I'm not appealing to them. Like, that's how it is. Um, we talk some more about Dean, Connor, and Kaylin's sort of love triangle. Um, she apologizes to Connor. For... I thought that was. I thought that she like actually did a pretty good job of just being like, "Yeah, I did that, and I'm sorry." Yeah, um, I thought that it was better than how she handled it, maybe in the moment. Um, yes. <laughs> and and it's kind of like all's well that ends well because Honestly, Connor is with Whitney, yeah. and and it is Kaylin's sort of annoying Dean. for Connor to act so like victimized by it when he's like happily dating someone else that he was. Hoping more would come excited down. Yeah. to meet. Like, yeah, like clearly, like what would have happened if Whitney came down and you were dating Kaylin is my question. I have a feeling he would have gone out with Whitney. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, they both ended up in the situations that they should have ended up with. Yeah. Ended up in. And I am I'm I'm happy for Kaylin and Dean. It seems yeah. like they've had a great few months. I wasn't happy with Dean's look for the reunion. I don't know. I kind of wasn't. He was it. wearing a pink, <laughs> an enormous pink suit. I didn't mind it. And a bolero. He's such tie. a weirdo that I I love it. But like to me, if you're gonna do all that stuff, I need the mustache. Like it's so <laughs> discomforting to me to see his baby face and topped by the long dirtbag hair. With the weirdo outfit. Like, the mustache is what pulls the weirdo look together for me. <laughs> like, that's the the calling card. Um, but everyone else feels differently, and I get that. So, at this point, we dig into the stagecoach drama uh, and bring Blake up to the hot seat. Oh, he just—he does not put in a good showing. Blake, I don't know if he needs to, like, invest in media training or something. His reaction to— being in conflict or getting accused of anything, just his visceral immediate response pattern is so unpalatable that it makes him look so much worse. Yeah. And it's just, I don't even know if it's because he is bad or if it's just like he handles it in a really uh, unpleasant way to watch. He also seems very, very anxious and almost manic this whole time. Like, the way he's stumbling over his words and speaking very quickly. And it made me nervous. Right. Like, exactly. He exudes this energy that is very nervous. It doesn't feel like he's taking ownership of things in part just because he acts so feverish about it that it it creates a feeling of anxiety all around him. Exactly. Which is not what you would expect to feel around someone who is, like, thoughtfully taking ownership right. of things. It's, like, the wrong vibe to send out. Very much the wrong vibe. Um, so Chris calls him up to the hot seat to address C- Christina's sort of claim that he uh, didn't tell her until the very last minute that he'd hooked up with Kaylin. He didn't tell her until he found out Christina was going to be on the beach, basically. Which seems to be true. Uh, he also And also Kaylin says, you know, we'd been talking, sort of dating, like – talking romantically for months for months and we were on good terms at stagecoach and i thought things with christina were just platonic and i also didn't find out until just before paradise and chris is like 
so uh, what do you think about that? And he's like, hey, look, sure, yes, okay. So I made mistakes, <laughs> honestly. Like, uh, sure, no one's perfect. Am I happy with how I acted? No, not exactly. But, you know, let's be fair. Like, I thought that that was all separate. And you're like, Blake, God, Jesus Christ. And also he said a really weird thing where he was like, I didn't want to shame people for having hooked up with me. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, well, so here's the thing. I sort of understood what he was trying to say. He just said it so poorly. I think that it is a little bit confusing to parse throughout this whole conversation what mentions of sex having are shaming and what ones are just things we're all open and honest about. Right. I thought that it was very inconsistent, honestly, for Kaylin to say, like, I thought it was fine to talk about you and Christina having sex to other people because I thought that we were just going to be honest about stuff. But you re- you showing my texts about having sex, that's slut, slut shaming. Sh- that's slut shaming. And I can see Blake struggling to understand the distinction between that. And I am sympathetic because I struggle to understand in certain right. ways. I, like, think, I think the difference for Kaylin is that Blake had – he – had to know or was just completely ignorant to the ways of the internet or like willfully ignorant to the ways of the internet that like posting those messages inherently invites slut shaming. I don't actually mm-hmm. think that him saying this hap- this is the series of- sequence of events and we both equally wanted to sleep with each other and these texts show that is slut shaming in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But to post it on a public platform like she was going to end up looking, oh, look at this, like, harlot looking, trolling for sex at 5 a.m. or whatever. Right. You know, like, I don't think that he thinks that about her, but... I think they both came off to me really poorly because I think that Blake is still being evasive about the fact that he clearly knew that something was iffy about how he was treating those women if he was so upset to see them before they even said anything to him. Right. Like, he's evasive about that. Like, Chris says, oh, every girl that walked on the beach. You were like, ah. And he's like, yeah, well, I wasn't upset. I was just, like, shocked that Christina took me on the date. And then I don't want to say attacking, but, like, but, like definitely attacking me. me. <laughs> and I was like, no, but you were upset to see her before that. Right. So that doesn't explain that. Like, you clearly had an understanding that you hadn't handled things well before and and for example with releasing the text and saying oh i didn't think anyone would stoop so low as to slut shame her and kaylin's like we talked on the phone and i told you that would happen and so to act like that had never entered your mind doesn't make any sense right you just didn't believe it maybe but like or care you were told by multiple people like he talked to dean i guess right before as well exactly um so i i didn't find that convincing from blake at all on the other hand i do think that it is tricky Honestly, as a as a woman to say the the blowback for me if the truth comes out about our hookup is going to be worse than it would be for him. So that entitles me to like pressure him into secrecy and then twist the public narrative into a way that makes him look very bad. Right. I actually think the thing and and I was um told this by someone that that Blake had actually been advised not to post the text, but to just tweet saying, like, what was shown was not true to how it was actually experienced. And I have receipts, but not to actually share them. Mm -hmm. And then to have a conversation at the reunion show. But he was so anxious that he kind of jumped the gun. And I think 
ended up not doing either of them any favors because he he was right. And Kaylin even actually admits to this, that she got very upset that she was being ignored and ended up saying things that weren't really true, like ended Mm -hmm. up kind of being overly um, explosive about the way that he treated her. Which, yeah. stemming from the fact which which is what we thought when we first yeah. watched it that like he's ignoring her she feels and he still like she's doesn't ashamed. seem to understand that right. like he's like what do you mean I thought you didn't want to talk about it and I was like Blake you don't have to ignore her presence to not talk about how you hooked up at stagecoach <laughs> like she wanted you to like interact with her in a respectful normal way uh, he doesn't seem to understand that still but like I did wonder Although it was very impolitic and I think unwise tactically for Blake to bring this up, whether Kaylin would have ever apologized or admitted that she had twisted things. Which is what he, he sort he of says. And exactly. So, right. And in that in that respect, I do feel for – like when he released the text, I was like, oh, this was a bad move. Mm-hmm. But also I, I do understand why he felt And fr- I so would really and... love to know if if there could have been a path to him – Maybe texting something a little more or tweeting something a little more vague, like you mentioned, um, or even to just negotiating with her privately. Yeah. And to be able to negotiate a public both of them conversation about it yeah. that was more constructive. Maybe not. Like, I, it's hard to say from how this went down whether that could have ever happened. Um, but it would have been much better for both of them. Right. Um, in the end, I do feel like it was almost sympathetic toward Blake how this was edited because Kaylin got so much sympathy and support. The whole cast was begging Blake to apologize to her that I feel like her own role in this was uh, it it felt like she had been given an, an unearned sense of of victimhood out of this because she would say, "Oh, I was upset and I lied. Yeah, I'm sorry." And and that's enough on her part. Like, to me, I wasn't sure if that was really an equitable distribution of of accountability because Blake has also said, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry here and there, you know. Yeah, I thought she came off better than than he did, um, mostly because I think she's more articulate. Oh, yeah. No, he came <laughs> off very poorly, but I did end up just feeling sorry for him because I was like, like this is so pathetic. But... I felt like maybe there should be a little more. uh scrutiny on both of them I guess at this point um and so but he if he had been sort of the guy to say I'm just gonna apologize wholeheartedly he could have almost had the higher ground like I feel like that door was open to him to to come off as as the winner for lack of a better better term and he chose to not handle it very well and to be really evasive and and self-pitying and and that ended up playing really poorly. Uh, it was really hard to to watch all that go down because also it's just really uncomfortable to to make this stuff public domain. Right. Like, yeah, and to it's... and to be asked to to weigh in on all this really personal Stuff. Ultimately, I do honestly feel for both of them because I think that um, things in relationships that are perhaps like small, poor decisions get blown up to such a great degree in in the context of The Bachelor. And so you have these 
people who are kind of trying to navigate dating and like making mistakes and all of these things and then like having to account for it in a way that that others would not have have to and and I'm not saying like oh I feel so bad like you do know that's kind of what you're signing up for um but I would imagine that it would be unbelievably difficult yeah and I just the way that it plays out I feel like ends up skewing so much of the conversation like if if the reunion conversation had gone differently if there had been more pressure put on Kaylin I think I would have ended up feeling very differently about both of them and I almost felt like my sympathies were being guided away from her because she had so much support and sympathy already um and that sort of dynamic also makes me uncomfortable where I'm starting to question like why <laughs> have I just been why like am I supporting right <laughs> like why am I supporting certain people and like how valid is that um it's just hard I don't feel like this was the best or most productive conversation about this sort of behavior that we could be having but again who's surprised it's bachelor <laughs> in paradise we never have the most productive conversation we could have um and so uh oh we also have that little aside about um Blake flying down to Birmingham yeah which no one can agree on whether he went down to just talk to Hannah or not um I here they have the same publicist mm-hmm. and that this meeting was was truly just kind of orchestrated as a like you should meet before paradise wow yeah that was bad publicity advice yeah um so uh so we can move on we can move on from from the Blake stuff everyone pressures him to apologize and he basically says I'm sorry that you were hurt in this situation yeah, at a certain point they're all just like eh, buddy buddy just wrap it up just say sorry Derek is like just end yeah. it on a positive note. seriously they're all just begging I think a lot of them do have like friendships with Blake. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just as they do with like, Kaylin. I wanted both of them to give a better apology, to be honest. I wanted her to give an apology that was not like, well, I was upset, and so yeah, I'm sorry. And I wanted him right. to give an apology that wasn't just like, I was just defending myself, so I'm sorry if you got hurt in the process. Like, neither of those felt really genuine to me. All right. So, we move on to checking in with the previously married Paradise couples. Yes. Jade and Tanner, Carly and Evan, Chris and Crystal. I did enjoy seeing Emmy and Bella on stage. So they were cute. They are so cute. And I love seeing like little kids on TV because they obviously have no idea that they're on TV. So they're just like grabbing the props. Yeah. Emmy's like walking off stage. It was great. And you know, they can't give informed consent. You know, they're gonna look back and be like, I can't believe you let me break oh my God. the children coffee are so, table props. So beautiful. They're so cute. Um Chris oh my has shaved his stubble. It, is, it was terrifying. I it, it was like the Uncanny it, Valley. I it was, was like, like you're not a like, real human. It like, was like I, a you need CGI to get, version of Chris. I was like, Chris, you need to get that facial hair back immediately. I, I never thought I'd say that about a man. But no, he does. But I'm just really used to seeing him with it. And it's very uncanny how different he looks without it. He looks it. so different. It was very startling. And I, I just kept thinking that he looked like a sort of like a Vegas magician or something. <laughs> yes. Like there was just something about the new uh, texture to his face that made him look like a different kind of person he just needs to get that like five o'clock shadow back at yeah least. um so uh, chris also accidentally introduces them as newly engaged he's like wait oh married chris has been dealing with too many newly engaged and married bachelor nation couples he's exhausted 
Uh, we hear about Jade and Tanner's latest birth story. Um, their son Sounds is not harrowing. there. He's a newborn. Yeah, it does sound really terrifying. Uh, just as someone who is yeah, you're like I look at this. What you're saying is you hope not to. Uh... Well, this is the terrifying thing about labor is no one really knows how long it will take. So Jade's like, I was having these contractions. My water broke. My midwife told me not to rush. Just go get ready and come in, you know, in a little while. And that is what they tell you. Like, you're not supposed to just come in as soon as you start having regular contractions because it can take days. (laughs) And so you're not supposed to come in until you're, like, further along. But then what if it just advances really rapidly and suddenly you're in your closet having a baby. And your husband is just standing there filming you and being like, oh, looks like he's crowning, but babe, try to hold him in until the paramedics arrive. Jade Apparently like just a, in the nick of time. I'm really, wow. Jade is really pulling more than half the weight in that relationship. There's literally, he takes a video of her with their son wrapped up. Like she's just given birth. She's sobbing. Obviously. Of like course. Very emotional. Also just like the physical trauma and yeah. shock. Like it's a very emotional moment. He's filming this very emotional moment and just being like, like, kind of chill about it. Like, his commentary from behind the camera is just like, all right, yeah, cool. They just got here just in the nick of time. Chill. Um, and Jade is, like, crying. And I was like, Tanner, get on her level right now. And then he, in the studio, was like, all things considered, pretty quick and easy. She's like, for you. <laughs> like, how you don't get to weigh in on how quick and easy it was, Tanner. Um, Carly and Evan are also expecting again. Carly and Jade look so tired. They have toddlers and now, like, new babies. Um, And this is when we have the gender reveal. Um, (sighs) Uh, I don't even know. It's just, like, one step forward, two steps back. I know. I I hate gender reveals. I am opposed to them as a concept. You know, who is opposed to gender reveals as a concept? The person who invented them, who was, like, come out this summer and basically said, when I did that first gender reveal party... I wasn't thinking about, you know, gender essentialism or, like, the importance of a baby's gender. I was just so excited to have made it to a a point in a pregnancy after some miscarriages where we were able to find out information like this about our child and we were excited. And you know what? That little girl was born and now, you know, isn't really interested in conforming to to gender stereotypes. Uh, You know, here's a picture of... Her daughter in a suit. You know, she's like, the, the, it's not about, there shouldn't be so much emphasis placed on what sex your child is It, it is makes assigned. me, like, really, I hate it. And, I really and yet, hate it. gender reveals are, like, bigger than they've ever been. It makes me feel so icky. And I love Carly and Evan, and I am so excited that they're going to have another kid because they make very cute ones. But it's, like, clear, it's just such uh, a bachelor move to be like, what can we do on air that's exciting? Let's reveal whether you're having a boy or a girl. Right. And so there, of course, it's like they wheel out a cake and Wells pops out in a blue onesie. Wells is just like the court jester of the Bachelor franchise now. Yes. Are they grooming him to take Harrison's place at a certain point? I don't know what's going on. I mean, Chris is clearly, you know, he can't remember who's married anymore. <laughs> Might be time. No, I'm kidding. He's got a lot of years left in him. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah, it's not yet Biden levels. And 
And I also want to point out, like, I've been saying gender reveal. That's kind of the term that's usually used. It's um, sex reveal. It's a sex reveal. Like, yeah. and, and I always forget this, but my, my step-sibling um, recently reminded me of this uh, when I was talking about my own child, um, that, like, we, we don't know the what gender, gender identity right you our know child you is. know the sex we know the, the, the assigned sex, that's, sex that's assigned to them and and that's a different thing and the way that we talk about gender reveals um really puts that that conversation uh back which is also a problem it's bad so uh let's get to the couples uh Tasha hits the hot seat um and basically tells Chris John Paul Jones made paradise for me. He made me so happy. And I made a mistake saying goodbye to him. So she flew to Maryland uh, the way that, you know, we've seen with we saw with Kendall and Joe. Yes. Um, I just want to note that when she flies in and they have the the establishing shot of the town's welcome sign. And it says, welcome to St. Michael's, the town that fooled the British. And I just that is just so perfect as the home <laughs> of John Paul Jones. It's almost like it feels fictional. So it's just a you know a part of Maryland that I'm unfamiliar <laughs> with. I know I need to look into that more. Um, she knocks on his door, and they have this very um, odd conversation where he seems very. Sort of, it seems almost casual. It's like casual for a big romantic gesture. Like she dumped him, they were they were crying, and now she's just like, "Hey, what's up?" And he's like, "Hey, I've been avoiding your Instagram." And she's like, "Okay, well, uh, I think about you all the time, and you check off all these boxes for me." And he's like, "Cool, awesome. Will you be my girlfriend?" And she's like, "Yeah." yeah. And I, then well, they she's both like, like, "I want to try things with you, John Paul Jones." They these two do not give the vibe to me that they are romantically involved. They do seem to always be having so much fun together. I think they're, like, very, very good friends who have kissed a few times. <laughs> it's just interesting when they, even when he says, you know, please be my girlfriend, and she says yes, they sort of kiss for a second, and then they start, like, pumping their fists in a celebratory way. And he says, look at my girlfriend. Isn't she hot? And I was like, this is like oh, you're cosplaying God. a relationship. Like, you're like, we did the kiss, but that's out of the way now. Um, they just, they seem to have much more of a, like, we're just on this crazy, fun ride together sort of energy rather than hot and heavy. So they both talk to Chris, um, and he tries to psych us all out by getting on one knee, um, but he's just reciting some Romeo and Juliet to Tasha not proposing thank god um i i don't i don't see their relationship lasting for the long term no the two of them are posting saying they're together reality steve reported that from what he's heard it doesn't really seem like they're together who knows they both seem like like fine people. I don't know. I, I love Tasha. I want the best for her. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know that I care about JPJ. Yeah. But the whole thing just it doesn't feel that romantic to me. No. It, it to me this is like let's let's make the most out of being on the show. Like have a really fun time. Yeah. I think they they genuinely have fun together. Yeah. Um. So speaking of having fun together, let's talk about the opposite. Katie comes out. Uh, 
to talk to Chris. And this was real rough. She tells him Well, that she comes out alone. Alone. First, and, and not wearing her ring. Um, I was told that they apparently were kept in isolation from each other the whole day and like other couples were not. So I feel like that should have been a big old tip off to Chris. <laughs> yeah. That this was not gonna be. So I do I do think there was probably some priming for uh, the level of kind of emotion that you saw from Katie. Yeah. Um and she tells she Chris that dress. Harrison. Also. Oh yeah, like a long sleeved sequin mini dress. Fantastic. Very cute. Um and she tells Chris Harrison, I still love Chris. We have our ups and downs like every couple. Communication's been hard. I'm exhausted. Uh, she tells him they're still engaged, but that she puts in so much effort every day and she's not getting her tank filled in return. And she then says, you know, like watching back the season, um, she was expecting to see Chris just be madly in love Being with really her. really in love with her, and that's not what but she saw. But he was uncertain. She saw uncertainty. And she also felt that he sort of expected her to know how much he loved her because he was telling other people that, but that, in fact, she was not getting that really expressed very clearly to her. Um, which I think maybe accounts for some of the confusion about— I think that accounts for a lot of it. Like, I was yeah. watching this whole exchange, and I'm not saying, like, that you— just should not expect to get, you know, the affirmation you need in a relationship. But I do think that often people do have really different communication styles and, and like, love languages. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's something I've noticed in in my own kind of newish relationship where, like, I've had to, yes, work at articulating my needs, but also work at understanding how affection can come in different forms and like to not only need affirmation in the way that I am used to receiving and giving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I felt like I was watching this being like, oh, they are just missing each other. And perhaps like I think some people watch that and were like, oh, my God, this is a horrible relationship right. and they should break up. And I was sort of like, maybe, but also maybe they just like need to get on the same page and they have not done that effectively. I think what's interesting, though, is that it seems like he's missing her. Yeah. Because when Chris comes out, um, he says, basically, you make me feel amazing. A million bucks. Like, like, yeah. like a million bucks. And I do want you to have that, too. And and it, he seems to know he's, like, deficient at that in some way. Right. And I think that there is something to be said for learning to accept love in different ways. But there's also – it's also very important to try to give love in the ways that your right, partner Right, right. It. it requires work on, on both ends of yeah. that, I think. This relationship – and I read the five love languages in college. Um, so it was weird for it to, like, suddenly become a big thing on the show, which Katie clearly knows it back to front. Uh, the filling the love tank is yeah. a big five love languages thing. Um, and it can be uh, hard to even know. I, I I have been married now for like two years and I turned to my husband during this episode and I was like, what is your love language? Like, I don't know. I just I try to be affirming sometimes and we spend quality time together yeah. sometimes and like sometimes well, like, I give him gifts but I don't really actually know. Most people are a mix of Most people can receive yeah, love in, in a, lot, in of a lot of ways. But sometimes a partner, there's one love language that they really 
just don't really know how to give and it can be yeah. one that's crucial. Yeah. And it's true. Like if if I think if I never were able to give words of affirmation, God, I hate myself right now. If I were never able to give that to my husband, I think that would be noticed. You know, like it would be missed in the yeah. relationship. And it seems like Chris doesn't know how to give Katie that. Right. Particular that, that's, thing. Right. That was is what I was noticing is that like she and especially given the fact that they were not living in the same city, yeah. um, that she probably was depending a lot, understandably, yeah. on because you can't do a words. lot of acts of service, physical right. touch or quality time when you're not in the same physical not space. In the same place. So, um, yeah. yeah. So and, and you see this sort of play out. And I want to also say Katie really is is being very, um, very negative about the relationship, to be honest. You know, she says, I'm normally really happy, but I've come to a place of, of darkness. Dark. Um, Chris is also actually very negative about the relationship, although he says Katie makes him feel great. 95% of his statements about the relationship are, it's very difficult, but all relationships are difficult. That's normal. Relationships are really hard. That's just how they are. And I always think that it's really troubling when early in a relationship especially, people fall back on all relationships are hard as sort of a blanket statement Mm -hmm. about relationships that indicates to me that maybe they're in the wrong relationship. Not because relationships are never hard, but because if you have to keep (laughs) reminding yourself that relationships suck to explain how unhappy you are, that probably means that there's a better relationship for you. Or there's just something – fundamentally not working that and maybe it can be fixed but maybe, maybe. it can't be and and to be clear uh you know after this very painful interaction um Katie sort of puts him on the spot a little bit and is like I've never felt so insecure in a relationship I want you to make me feel loved and he says he wants to give those things to her and he then sort of is given the opportunity to offer her the ring again and put it back on her. And And he does. She recommits sort of to the engagement, I guess, Uh, which was kind of a weird move to me because I didn't feel like they had resolved things enough to merit the... They're like, yay, now it's good. I mean, it was... And then we see footage of them after the fact, and they're clearly... He feels pretty blindsided... I think, again, that, like, isolation probably explains some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he but, says, you know, we've talked about this before. And she's like, yeah, but it doesn't It doesn't change. go anywhere. And I understood both of their positions. Same. Same. I, I actually felt for both of them. I did think that um, – did you read Katie's post on Instagram? Yes, they both posted about it on Instagram and basically said we're in a much better place now. Yeah. She was like, look, we really lacked the ability to communicate effectively with each other and that's improved um and And i really hope that's true i hope it's true too and i think like you know i i don't know i i'm i'm rooting for them i also feel like if they don't make it like that's also normal (laughs) right and and it's okay is the thing like i really i like both of them if they're doing well that's great and and I'm going to take their word. I'm going to take their word for it. But I do want to say, like, if you are unhappy, really just daily on a daily level, really unhappy in your relationship and you find yourself talking 
a lot or thinking a lot about how all relationships are very difficult to justify that, then I think it's okay to consider that maybe it's not the right one. It's not the right relationship. Absolutely. And you don't need to feel are hard, but like on a day to day level, do I feel constantly reminded of how hard relationships are? No. Like it's not something that I have to think about a lot because on a day to day level, my relationship is not hard. Like that's more of an intermittent thing. Right. No, no, no. I think that's that's a very important point. Um, So then we we see Hannah and Dylan uh, together. They're like, don't worry. We're great. We're good. We're the healthy couple. Hannah's moving to California, which like I in my mind, I know we've talked so much about Birmingham. In my mind, she already lived in California. Right. She really seems like a <laughs> California girl to me. Yeah, I'm like very confused about how she didn't grow up in the Los Angeles greater area. Yeah. So I guess she's now uh, living in San Diego. Um, yeah. yeah. And Chris is like, it's been a while since we've had a couple all of Bachelor Nation has been rooting for. And I was like, did we even see enough of them to really be rooting like, for I them? I think what the couple everyone is rooting for are Demi and Christian. Yeah. If there is one of these couples that everyone's rooting for, it's Demi and Christian. Yeah. Not Hannah and Dylan. I was a little taken aback by that. But I mean, I again I wish them the best. They seem very sweet. Like for sure. Uh, I think they seem very happy. Yeah, they seem very happy. Their Instagram posts are cute. Congrats uh, to them. Best of luck to them and their future shared sponsorships. And then Chris says that this season, Demi was brave enough to come out and let us know she was the queer queen we all needed. <laughs> queer queen has never sounded more meaningless and also, like, uncomfortable as coming out of Chris Harrison's mouth. I know. I mean, to me, this felt like when brands participate in, like, Pride Week. Yeah. I was like, They're this like, isn't for you. Like, Chris, you don't you don't need a queer queen, Chris. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, forcing it a little bit here. I like oh so funny. I was like Chris doesn't know what the term queer means. Like I don't believe he he <laughs> understands queer as I, a concept. I hope you're wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um and so Demi and Christian come out um both looking great, of course. Demi just moved to LA to be near Christian again from, from Dallas. Where was she? Dallas. Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Um and they talk about the journey that they had going into paradise, um, that they both knew that that was always the plan for her to go and that their relationship was very open, that they talked about that. Yeah. Um, but that they both also ended up really struggling with it. And um, Christian says that when production called her, she was surprised. Um, they seem to be sort of saying this wasn't really pre-planned. Um, that like right, like production had knowledge of the relationship, but she had always planned to go to paradise and just see what happened. That yeah. Demi had planned. Demi had that's what I mean. But that Demi Christian had, had not. There that was Christian no, had not. Right. There was no pre-plan for Christian to be to brought be in. There. Yeah, which I mean, it was a smart move on the part of the show. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they talk about what they love about each other. Um, oh, and they're really able to articulate the love, things they love about exactly. each other. Um, and then Christian, Christian asked Demi to stand. Oh. Also, they give a nice, Demi gives a nice shout out to Derek. Yes. For being supportive. Uh, Christian concludes by asking Demi to stand with her and she gives a little speech about how much she loves everything about her. And the way that she wakes up in the night and whispers, I love you to Christian and goes back to sleep, which I thought was adorable. Um, Chris hands her a ring box 
Again, no pockets. <laughs> and she kneels and proposes Aww, to Demi. I loved it. I loved it. And Chris makes sure really to zoom sweet. in on both of their rings and be like, Neil Lane, buddy, <laughs> you really done it again. Uh, so I thought it was lovely. And I really, I really am into them. And I hope that, you know, being like pressured into a national, like publicly, like a nationally public engagement doesn't destroy their relationship. I hope so, too. I mean, they are like several of the proposals this year uh, on Paradise pretty young. Like, yeah, I almost 24. feel like it's skewing younger and younger. Um, but I think that they are a great example of how relationships are sometimes hard. But that doesn't mean that the hardness of the relationship is defines the dominant. it. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. No, I think you're completely right. Like we've seen them struggle and we've seen them miscommunicate. But then you circle back around and they like reach each other eventually. And that's yeah. that's the work. That's the hardness. But the overall tone of the relationship is not this is hard. It's not the like Hannah and Dylan levels of like easy breezy. All we do is yeah. say I love you. But it's it's like which is maybe why I found myself the most moved by their relationship because yeah. it felt the most realistic. Yeah, and I think that something that we do often see in the really easy breezy relationships on this show is that it's because one of the people, usually the woman, is sort of suppressing or downplaying her actual concerns or issues in the relationship in order to allow the the smoothness to continue and with Hannah, sometimes from what we see, it, it seems that she doesn't want to rock the boat with Dylan. And that's, or like ever. <laughs> right, or ever. And like, you know, I, I think that a lot of that is socialized to be our role in a relationship, to be like the person who smooths things over, et cetera. And when we see a woman who is more demanding of what she, you know, expects in a relationship or about issues that she has with the relationship – that real friction comes in because often men don't know how to respond to that in a constructive way Um, because they think that or they have been socialized to expect that women will do the the maintenance for them. And so Demi and Christian are like really doing that maintenance together. And like that's how all relationships should be. I agree. And I want to be like them. Um, So the final thing that happens on this Season of The Bachelor in Paradise, of course, is the announcement of our next Bachelor. It's Peter. It's Peter. I don't care. He's fine. He's fine. He's lovely. And we already knew. Like, it had been spoiled. Right, because they taped this three weeks ago. I mean, the reunion show. It's also sort of frustrating to see the reunion show and be like, this is where the couples were at almost a month ago. Right. Yeah. They taped it early. Yeah. Yeah. And so the bachelor had been long spoiled. Like all of the couples like have had various updates since. Yeah. I don't know. I'm already a little frustrated. Well, I mean, obviously, first of all, Emma and I were hoping for Mike as bachelor, and it's been disappointing to know that that wouldn't be the case. I think yeah, that would have been a real missed opportunity, and I think a new direction for the show. Yeah, like the show. It just feels like, okay, they're never going to cast a black man in that role. Because if yeah. they are waiting for some sort of universal approval when they have created a show that is, like, fundamentally baked in whiteness mm-hmm. as as the romantic ideal, like, they they are going to have to be the ones to make a change. It's not going yeah. – like, that is just 
the only way this is going to happen. And it's really disappointing to see it not happen yet again. It's like almost like what, you know, and Spivey brought this up at our Philly show where she said it's almost like they were like, well, we checked one diversity box. We got one queer couple, so we don't have to, yeah. you know. And we did a Black yeah. Bachelorette. Yeah, so we're done for a while. Like, yeah. And it's especially frustrating because you can quibble with whether Mike is perfect, of course. Like, there are always things that can be said. Oh, he didn't make a big splash on Paradise. Oh, maybe he's not going to be the sure. most in touch with his emotions. And maybe he wouldn't be. And maybe. But but, they... the, but that kind of scrutiny is not applied to the white men who are offered right. these roles. You look, Peter comes out and I'm like, listen, he's the lead of this show. I expect a little bit more, like, poise and like and charisma and and the ability to articulate his feelings and he comes out and is just like oh my gosh what is life guys like right now oh my god like right now it's all like ahead of me and like I just am so excited right now and like this opportunity is amazing and like I just like right now I'm just so grateful and I was like this just sounds like a well, so Greg was like, he just sounds like he just got like drafted onto an NFL team. <laughs> like he doesn't sound like someone who's going whose job is going to be to to talk on camera, uh, both to a bunch of women and directly to the audience for a full season. Uh, it's hard for me to be convinced that he's really a better choice than Mike when he seems like just an, a fine choice. And oh my god, Chris Harrison even goes so far as to say like we've never Ugh. had a bachelor like him before. Like that's fuck that you. That feels like taunting. Like, yeah, like fuck you a little that's, bit. That's like taunting. that is cruel and because he is in so many measurable ways exactly, exactly the same. The same. And again, I that doesn't mean I think he's like going to be a bad bachelor, but it is really disappointing like on a cultural level that like they had the opportunity to cast someone who was like very popular they had the chance to make a fucking modicum of progress in Mm -hmm. in terms of racial diversity on this show and yet again they didn't and they went with someone who feels very similar in fact to a lot of the other late 20 somethings like white nice white boys (laughs) pilots well yeah jake wasn't nice but yes he is a white pilot that's i mean in yeah. a way he's like what you would get if you took like maybe the seven last of them and like seven yeah. bachelors and like blended them into one uh average bachelor um but you know premieres january 6th and you'll be on maternity leave i'll be on maternity leave <laughs> i will be watching um of course uh but maybe not with quite the same focused attention that normally allows me to produce 12 pages of notes. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, you won't be like breastfeeding and note taking simultaneously. <laughs> hey, who knows? Yeah, I don't know how I many know, hands yeah. it takes. I haven't tried it yet. Um, so we'll see. But uh, I will really miss being in the mix. And fortunately, the year isn't over and we have some bonus episodes that will be coming up for you guys. And uh, maybe I'll even check in, in when uh, when I'm out and give you my thoughts on on whether Peter is surpassing my expectations. And now it's time for Feminism Fails. And yes, we do have a handful this episode. Yeah, and we talked through a lot of thorny, relevant issues (laughs) throughout the episode, but we have a few just like really specific moments that we want to talk about right now. Uh, First of all, um, I want to note when JPJ literally fist pumps... After Tasha agrees to be his girlfriend and and yells, "Look how hot my girlfriend is," <laughs> um, I think that this also just encapsulates 
a lot of the way that we see men talking about women on the show this season. Um, their beauty is always mentioned first, um, even if they're in a pretty established relationship and you would hope that they would have more substantive things to say about about their girlfriend. Um, there is a lot of um, this kind of language of possession and like having almost like a trophy um, that uh, an attractive woman is something for you to show off and uh, a prize that you've won. Um, and, you know, I think that it, it in a way it's it's a cute moment, but there is an ickiness to it yes. that I want to call out. And especially because it's so pervasive on this season, it's clearly not just like a random thing. It's like a, a, an attitude that I think needs to be adjusted. So I'm going to give that a three. And then we have Jordan saying that, you know, when a woman says she's fine, she's not actually fine. We just shouldn't believe women when they express their emotions. Like, I understand that, yes, sometimes people say that they are okay, And in fact, they are not and they are suppressing their emotions or they don't want to share them. But as like a general rule, I think blanket saying you shouldn't trust a woman when she tells you that something is okay is a real problem. And I feel like I've gotten into it sometimes with men who will be like, wait, are you sure that? And you're like, yeah, no, it is. It's fine. Yeah. This is a thing that's fine. Why won't you just believe me? I said it's fine. And I think it is a result, too, of a culture where women are expected to to suppress their feelings. Right. And so men are then the flip side of that is left to like guess. Men have to be detectives or they can. And it sucks for everyone. It sucks for everyone. It's really unhealthy. We should be encouraging uh, of women to express their, their, their true needs emotions. and frustrations. Exactly. And on the flip side, we should not expect men to be mind readers. And and we and shouldn't and we shouldn't then put men in the position of deciding how women should be believed, should should be believed or how they actually feel, yeah. which is what the result is. Right. It's just it's bad all around. I'm going to give that one a three point five. Uh and I want to just briefly call out Tanner for claiming that Jade's labor was quick and easy. Um I mean, listen, speaking of actually listening to women about how they feel, let's let Jade talk about whether labor was quick and easy. It and... was quick, <laughs> but the easy part seems to not be true. Um, seems quite traumatic, actually. I, I would just like to see women being given the, the platform and the ownership uh, of their of their birthing experiences and to not have their their husbands step in to to speak for their wives' experiences of things as traumatic as labor. So that's like kind of a silly one, but I'm going to give it a two. And then we have that gender reveal. Ugh, this isn't a fall, like a fail on Carly and Evans' part specifically. This is just a fail culturally to, that we prop up gender reveal parties. Mm-hmm. So um, at, for the reasons that we spoke about earlier, the gender essentialism um, baked into it and also the fact that like it's not even a gender reveal because gender is an identity and assigned sex it has to do with chromosomes, whatever. The binary is bullshit. We're going to yes. give that one a four. <laughs> 
And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Please subscribe to Here to Make Friends wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our off-season bonus episodes. And give us a five-star rating and review. It helps other people discover our show. You can also give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back in your feed next week with our live episode from Philadelphia. That's going to be episode two of season one of The Bachelor. So keep your ears peeled. And do you want even more here to make friends? Check out our video series at youtube.com slash HuffPost. It's a little different from the podcast. Every week we highlight standout moments from each episode and award superlatives. Again, you can find us at youtube.com slash HuffPost or at HuffPost.com. And if you're still listening, we're going to Chicago next week for another live show. We're so excited, but unfortunately, we're also sold out. But to be clear, we will be taping and releasing all of these shows as podcasts. So stay tuned through the fall for bonus episodes. And keep an eye out for more live shows. We are hoping to squeeze in some more for the holidays. So we will keep you all updated on social about those dates. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.